guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. I'm JB. I'm a husband, a father of two, a son, and a brother. I am no expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. And I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship, so why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's what I want to dive into. So let's get started. Joining me today is my friend Byron Lafayette that I've met on the Feel and Film Facebook group. So, Byron, what's going on, buddy? Hey there. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to come on here and chat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell us what you've been watching recently? Oh, yeah. So, I've, you know, I've been wanting to watch more film because I, I watch a huge amount of TV. But uh, I also was thinking, like, this year I kind of wanted to go into a little bit more of film. And, you know, I've been on Letterboxd. I've been, you know, keeping track of basically, like, every movie I've watched, you know, since January 1st. It's been, like, really interesting kind of just seeing, you know, what, like, viewing trends are and stuff. But lately, I've been kind of watching a little bit of, like, a mix of some, like, you know, old-school thrillers and even a little bit of comedies, you know, like I... I revisited uh, Fletch and like Speed, Cary Grant's like uh, uh, Charade. I rewatched the other night, you know. So I've been just kind of checking out a few of those. And kind of one interesting film that I actually recently watched that was kind of a bit new to me is I've been getting into the DC animation. Uh, and so I watched uh, Batman uh, Gotham by Gaslight, and it's kind of this Victorian era film. And it's really interesting. I had a really good time with it. So I'm definitely going to be uh, putting some more DC animation into my list to watch going forward. Very nice. I've watched Meet John Doe recently. I love watching Frank Capra every once in a while when I want to feel better. <laughs> like if, oh. I, if I'm in a bad mood, I will put on a Capra movie anytime. It's like a warm blanket, you know? <laughs> For real, right? For yeah. real. Uh, but most recently, the two films that I've watched uh, were I rewatched My Girl for the first time since like the mid-90s. And oh my gosh, man. Like, <laughs> I just, I lost it. I mean, that movie is just so sad. Like, and uh, it, they just, a good coming of age movie really speaks to me. I'll, I've always been drawn to those. I, I guess because one thing that I really love about movies is when they are realistic. That's the word I was looking for. I like I like realism in movies. I like films that are grounded. So, so far, any kind of coming of age film just really speaks to me. That's interesting. My Girl is one that I have not seen yet. And I, oh. everybody recommends it to me and tells me like how good it is. And it's like, and I keep I think I need to see this movie because I also enjoy, you know, a good coming of age movie. Like, you know, I loved, uh, uh, you know, from, uh, I think it was 2012, I think, with Matthew McConaughey. And, Jeff, like, that was Jeff a, Nichols? Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's from Arkansas, by the way. Woo pig. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, I watched Stand By Me for the first time recently too, and man, that was a good one. And and Rob Reiner, man, I've really been getting into a lot of his movies this year because I was kind of turned off because I'm not a big Princess Bride fan. Please, people, don't throw anything at me. I'm just signing off the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm not a fan. I'm I'm not. I, I, and I've kind of been turned off by his stuff, but you know, I, I recently rewatched someone with Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, and when Harry met Sally. Oh, yeah. uh, uh -huh. My wife and I watched that on New Year's Eve this last year, and it was the first time I'd watched it in probably 10 years, and I, I was blown away as me, as a 35-year-old man, watching it with a wife and two kids. <laughs> it's completely different than me watching it when I was 22 and didn't have any of that stuff. So, it, like, it uh, hit, yeah. hit me a lot harder, you know. Man, that's, I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. So that's when I was like, I'm going to get into more Rob Reiner films. But got on a tangent there, man, but... uh. <laughs> Oh, no. You know, kind of Rob Reiner is an interesting one, too, of that he has a very eclectic rectorial list, I guess you could say, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because 
you you see some of like what he's done, you know, and it's it's very it's kind of it's interesting, you know, because I was looking at him on on uh, IMBD and I was looking at like his directing list. And he has like you know LBJ, you know, a few good men, you know, and stuff. But then, yeah. like, then he has this other stuff on there too. So it's like it's, it's really interesting. Like this is Spinal Tap. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> What? That's nothing like anything else he's done. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, I guess I guess this is Spinal Tap was the logical conclusion to the Princess Bride. He kind of already started on that path, and that was just him going <laughs> completely off the wall. Which, went as far as he could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do I do enjoy his films now. Now that I've gotten more acquainted with them. But one that I watched recently that I'd never seen was from one of my favorite actors, uh, One Hour Photo. Man, Robin Williams in this film. Have you seen it? I have not seen that one, but I have heard really good things about that one. Yeah, it's it's on HBO Max. I watched it the other night, and dude, I saw Robin Williams last year in uh, the movie Insomnia, and that kind of gave me a taste of, of how creepy he can be. And I really kind of <laughs> think he does a better job. I think Insomnia is his best dramatic role still, even after watching One Hour Photo. But one hour photo is just a lot creepier. <laughs> like, just, but but you, you just got to watch it, man. You have mixed feelings about him in the movie, good and bad. So it's, you just need to watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, I just looked it up and it looks like a very interesting story. Um, I, I'm always very fascinated seeing comedic actors take on dramatic roles. I just find it really interesting because most of the time they're very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most comedic actors are very underappreciated in the dramatic field. I mean, obviously the most typical, you know, is Adam Sandler comes to mind with some of his dramatic ones. He's been very good. Um, yes. Them, you know, so Dude, like, uncut gems. Yeah. I, I was, I was kind of sad that he didn't win or at least get an Oscar nomination for it. I was kind of sad because I was like, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen him get up there and say something like, you know, <laughs> remember this is the day that you lost to Adam Sandler, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he did say that at one of the award shows, like, the Golden Globes or something he won. He said, you remember this as the day that you lost to Adam effing Sandler. <laughs> oh, I, I really hope he does more dramatic roles after that because he, he was very good. He was, I, I he really, was really good. I hope so. I also like Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Steve Carell in The Way, Way Back. Those are some of my favorite dramatic roles for comedians. No, it's true. Steve Carell is he, can be very good when he wants to be like i'm trying to think i can't remember the name of the movie he was he was in one that was seriously good and it was a wrestler film i can't remember the name of it box catcher box catcher i haven't i haven't seen that yeah and i just remember that they like put like all this prosthetic makeup on him and everything you know he he definitely has been able to shed the image of the office guy um which he was spectacular in as well you know yeah for sure have you seen Eternal Sunshine? I have not seen that one. Oh man, that's that's a good one. It's it's pro- and Jim Carrey is one of my all-time favorite actors and that might be my favorite of his films. And it's not even what he's known for. He's known for comedy. He's not known for this sci-fi romance like it's just weird, <laughs> but it's good, man. You should check it out. But anyway, we're here to talk about the film Gladiator from Ridley Scott in 2000 it won Best Picture. I'm thinking it was the last epic to win Best Picture, if I'm not mistaken, because I really don't think any has since then. Um, yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah, so that's got something going for it there. So why don't you tell me you know, your initial thoughts on this film, what you like about it, what made you want to pick it to talk about, and just kind of some of the, the themes of the film that uh, 
just kind of want to highlight. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, part of the reason I uh, I chose you know this one was kind of you know I, I have a little bit of a uh, mixed history in a sense with this with this film because uh, I saw it. I want to say I believe remember the first time I saw it. I, I want to say it was for it was for a school project. I had to watch it. I, it might have been my recent Rome through film class in uh, in college and. I remember the first time I saw it, I was not thrilled with it. Like, I kind of was like, ah, you know, you know, I don't know. I think I hadn't really known a lot about the film in the beginning. Like, I knew it was like, all I knew was Gladiator, Roman era, whatever. And so I kind of went in to watch it, and I was kind of expecting it to be more of like a solid Gladiator type film. So I was kind of like, oh, it has all these like politics, whatever, and stuff in it. And so I just remember I kind of was like, ah, you know, at the end of it, I was like, oh, this is a good movie, whatever. But then I kind of didn't really think about it again. And then it was probably about maybe three or four years later that I, I want to say I believe it was like my mom I think like oh I've never seen that movie let's watch it yeah mm-hmm. so and I remember I told her I said oh it was all right whatever and then I started watching it and then I was like wow this is a really good movie like I don't know what changed <laughs> in me, like <laughs> over those few years but like I really kind of realized like how great it was and I really like loved all the themes I loved the characters um, and you know I even appreciated the retconning of history in a little bit like I thought they because it's done cheaply in so many movies when they retcon history but I felt like it really was not in this film like they did a, a great job of, of mixing it with the with the storyline and so you know I guess kind of like I fell in love with it after that second rewatch and I joyously say how wrong I was the first time um, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you know and kind of like some of the themes that I I really do enjoy about it too is that you know it has a very strong theme of honor you know throughout it of you know like doing kind of what's right in the face of all odds you know it also is a is an interesting you know the a lot of people sometimes do talk about like the whole like father and son aspect of it and i'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit because i think that it has some very interesting things to say about fatherhood and you know like how fathers treat their sons and vice versa and such because i think the whole relationship with marcus aurelius and commodus is very very interesting mm-hmm. you know because it's very easy well i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> um, but um sister and i know like max wasn't like a like a blood you know brother so to speak um, um unless i missed that in the movie I, i'm not 100 percent sure with that because they refer to him and commodus as brothers but i don't know if they were talking about it like that he was taken in by marcus aurelius or if he was actually marcus aurelius's son i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure i feel like it was more of a blood brother type thing i mean in the sense of like uh you know like bound by combat type of stuff yeah um so i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure with that but i did find that really interesting two people with vastly different worldviews of what of how they think of power you know control you know religion you know raising you know children morals you know and everything and it's it's very much a black and white thing with uh, maximus and uh and commodus so i would say it's kind of the family dynamic and the looking at at honor and i would venture to say it's even more about honor than it is revenge because a lot of people say you know it's this epic revenge story and it definitely is but i feel like you know when we talk about it a little bit This was actually the first epic that I really, really liked. Growing up, you know, my family wasn't really into this kind of stuff. I don't, th- I mean, they, I know they didn't like sci-fi and they didn't like fantasy, and we didn't really watch stuff like this either. We watched mainly comedies and 
just kind of lighter stuff. But then we'd watch, you know, a lot of the the classics like, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. I remember watching uh-huh. that every single year with my family. We just didn't watch stuff like this. And so, you know, I tried watching, I think I tried watching, I think I might have watched Bits and Pieces of Braveheart when I was a teenager. But I never watched that until college. But I watched Gladiator in college. My roommate had the DVD and I remember watching this film, and I was like, dude, it just, like, blew me away. Like, what have I been missing all these years, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like, and so, and since then, I've tried to watch more, and, I, and I've dug deep and watched stuff like the Ten Commandments and Spartacus and Ben-Hur, which is phenomenal. Oh, like, <laughs> yes, 100. Yeah, very, very, very good film. But yeah, I've really started to gravitate more towards these. The next one on my list that I have to cross off is 300. And, and I said that I'm going to watch that as my 300th film for this year. So when I get there, I'm, I've, I've told Aaron White from Feel and Film that I was going to do that because he's been he's been pushing me to, to watch it for a while now. But yeah, that was that was the big thing for me because it's kind of nostalgic because I didn't really care for the, watch this these kinds of movies until I saw this and. And it's still my favorite, you know, like, I mean, I would say Ben-Hur is a better movie, but I mean, I'd rather watch Gladiator, like. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's very true. Yeah, I I would, I would agree with you there, you know, Um, enjoyability and just, you know, yeah, they're, they're both spectacular, but at the same time, yeah, I would, I I feel the same way as you. Yeah. And it's Russell Crowe, man. Like, he's just like, he's just a man's man, you know, like the dude is especially in this film like he's the man that every man wants to be you know that's why his name is and his name is maximus for crying out loud like (laughs) can you be any more macho like (laughs) it's true and he's given every amazing monologue and every great quote you know whether it's him leading these men into battle with the quote about elysium you know yeah you know it's like honestly like you know a lot of people disagree but like that quote i think overshadows even like 300 the whole like you know dining in hell you know quote which is awesome once you see the film you'll understand it but like gladiator it overshadows it all you know yeah for sure so in this film because we can talk about different uh, aspects of it but what are i'm calling them manly moments uh-huh. what are, what are some of the manly moments of this film i just like Maybe one or two places where it just really speaks to you and, and, and kind of gives us lessons as, as men, not necessarily as husbands and fathers, because I know that you're not married. I mean, it can speak to any man. So what's your take on this film as far as how men can relate to it and, and take some wisdom from it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that it shows us several examples, basically, of fatherhood and for men. You know, obviously, you know, we have Maximus, who is, you know, kind of this epitome of manhood and and courage and honor and doing the right thing and stuff you know but then also what i found extremely interesting what i liked in the film was with i think it was marcus aurelius i think was the emperor's name that i found him to be a very interesting kind of character portrait of like fatherhood basically and there was two line two quotes that he said that i found very compelling and very interesting one when he is with his daughter lucille um and he says that they're walking and he says like oh you know um let's right now you know uh pretend that you're a good daughter and i'm a loving father and it was just like it's a it's a great line it's almost kind of partially played for laughs a tiny bit you know of with their dynamic but at the same time it was really sad in the sense because you see that he's this kind of broken man you know has kind of gotten to the end of his life and realized he's made a huge amount of mistakes you know 
And his second quote that I think can speak to manhood overall, too, is uh, when he tells Commodus that he's not going to be emperor, and he says the line that your faults as a son are my failures as a father. Mm. Um, mm, yes. And it's just such a painful, painful moment. Um, you know, because the film gives you the idea that Commodus is not completely all right. You know, like even as a kid, he might not have been all there, you know, because yeah. it's kind of a little bit sociopathic and stuff. But at the same time, you know, you see that, that you know, that uh, Marcus had basically written him off, basically. You know, that he, you know, he felt his son didn't have the virtues that he was looking for and Maximus uh, did. And I think it was a great, it was a great example of how it can be so easy to get caught up in career and ambition and everything that you, you keep thinking like, oh, I'll, I'll go back to my family later on, or, oh, I'll, I'll focus on this stuff later. But then in the end, later never actually comes. And, you know, we saw that with, you know, with Marcus that in, in the end, he kind of viewed that everything that he'd done was kind of, you know, a bit of a failure because he didn't have anyone to pass it on to in his own family. And then with, with Maximus, I, I think that, you know, we don't get a lot of examples of him as a father, you know, in the film, you know, it's more kind of a lot of it is left to the imagination, I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, you see that he has like a loving son and like a wife and stuff, but, you know, uh, like I said, there's not a lot in there. But one thing that I did really, really like was after Marcus is, uh, has been murdered uh, by Commodus. And, and Commodus basically, you know, offers his hand and says, you know, like, oh, you know, will you pledge, you know, your loyalty to me? And, you know, Maximus doesn't do it. He just, like, walks past. And I thought that was very interesting because it, it really kind of showcased how, you know, as a man, you know, with honor and your beliefs and your, and your ideology, that that becomes part of your character. And so, you know, that if you kind of turn on some of that stuff, then it kind of just, you know, it makes you not who you are. And, you know, at that moment was kind of like, you know, even though it's it's played, you know, so briefly that I kind of think that that was kind of a lynch point, basically, for who Maximus was a, as a person, you know, that he could, you know, decide to take the easy route, you know, and like pledge his loyalty to Commodus or even say, yes, I'm going to pledge my loyalty and then stab him in the back later on. But then, you know, if he did that, he would not be the man who Marcus Aurelius, you know, knew him to be. Yeah. He would have been no better than Commodus at that point. And so he took a stand for his beliefs, even though it ended up costing him like everything. And that was something I really liked in there um, a lot about his character. And I think what it shows, you know, as a man, you know, that you have to have your ideals and your beliefs, you have to stand by them. Yeah, very much. That's that's good. Like, I, I didn't even think about that, how he just walks away in the very beginning. Like, he didn't even like try, like, he didn't even pretend to like try to be chummy with the guy. He just he knew that he killed him and he's like basically peace out bro i'm not i'm not gonna stand by your side <laughs> like no uh -huh. like and that speaks volumes right there for the kind of man that he is because he's not going to be two-faced he's going to just tell you exactly what he thinks and or or not say anything at all and just brush you off is what he really did but the the original emperor uh, Marcus Aurelius the the four chief virtues that he that you mentioned earlier were wisdom justice fortitude and temperance and i had to uh, look that up because i was just you mentioned it and i was thinking of it man temperance is a big one because like the entire film Russell Crowe like his voice was pretty much one tone the whole time, the whole time. <laughs> it's like, true. like, uh 
Yeah. Like, that's the epitome of temperance. The only time he ever raised his voice was when he was, like, on a horse yelling at a bunch of soldiers, you know? Like, that's true, uh-huh. So, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right, yeah. <laughs> like, when I saw that, I was like, man, he does, like, very much exudes that, for sure. But, man, this, this film is just chocked full of so many great one-liners. Like, you know, what you... the very One of the first things that Russell Crowe says to the army is he says what we do in life echoes in eternity oh a beautiful quote right <laughs> right like, and and no matter what you believe about religion the afterlife whatnot the stuff that we do here does matter you know like um and, and it may not matter to you it's gonna matter it may, but it may matter to other people and and it may matter in generations to come and generations and generations and so like that quote right there is just beautiful like you've got to live your life with that in mind you know what we do echoes in eternity so true you know because yeah because sometimes you know you think honestly about the you know the little stuff that it doesn't matter and but in reality you know it does you know and i I remember um i think it was a quote that was that was from one of the star trek movies where picard is kind of talking about like legacy and like you know what we leave behind and stuff and he and he does this he says this line where he says you know what we leave behind is not as important as how we lived mm. and you know and i i thought oh i really you know like that line because sometimes you know we're so obsessed with legacy and what we leave behind but if you cut corners you know then what you leave behind is not good you know and and like you said you know it, it echoes in eternity <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure and, and another thing i noticed too when he first goes to prison and has to be you know a gladiator the first thing that he does is he goes to the these other soldiers that had been in battle with him what's his name juba and yeah, juba. uh yeah him and then can't remember all their names but he basically was like hey guys the only way we're going to get through this is if we stick together so the, the first thing he does is understood that you can't do everything on your own that there's strength in numbers like i'm a loner <laughs> I'm, I'm very much a loner but you've got to just suck up your pride sometimes and acknowledge the fact that the best things that we do in life come in community and come with other people, you know, working together or doing things together. I mean, it's, it, it, you get what I'm trying to say here? Like, <laughs> no, definitely. And I think, you know, that's a fascinating point that you bring up because I hadn't thought about that. That really, when you look at him as a gladiator in the film, he really has, is a loner and acting completely on his own throughout the first, you know, the beginning. And then I think it's the, the one where they're up against the chariots. And it's what you, what you said that that's the first time that, that suddenly, their group and it's almost like he's a soldier again you know mm-hmm. um yeah that's, that's a great point um that I, I hadn't thought of but then there's the the speech there when uh oh what can't even think of walking a uh, commodus you know comes comes out on in the uh coliseum the yeah. coliseum <laughs> comes out there to meet maximus and maximus got this mask on and he comes out there and he he doesn't take his mask off he walks off and then commodus keeps you know poking at him saying no you will you will show me your face you know like so finally he turns around pulls that mask off and says my name is maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies of the north general of the felix legions and loyal servant to the true emperor 
Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And he says... Is there any better movie quote? (laughs) I can't think of one, man. And he says that in such a monotone, too. Like I was saying earlier, like he just kind of just jabs it in there, like... And it's the delivery on that. Did he win Best Actor for this? He had to have, right? You know what? I'm going to look it up. I think he did. Uh, if he didn't, he absolutely should have. But I, I, he did win, yes. In 2001, he won Best Actor in a Leading Role for Gladiator. Okay, yes. He absolutely deserved it. <laughs> for uh, sure. 100%. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> he just does such a fantastic job, man. Like, it, all throughout the film but that one part right there that was his oscar moment and it was like you said is there a better movie quote (laughs) i I don't know because because that's just him laying it out there this is who i am this is what you've done to me and this is why i'm coming after you Uh not right not right now because all these people are around but i will get my vengeance i promise you (laughs) just laying it out there Uh it's beautiful it's beautiful and then the biggest thing, though, for me, even more than the father-son aspect, because, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a cool story there. I mean, in that, you know, he was more of a son than Marcus's own son was. You know, Commodus, you know, he, what you said earlier that um, Marcus says to him that your shortcomings as a son are my failures as a father. I'm like, oh, that hits me hardcore. Like, it just, oh, it, it, it hurts. Like, just to say that with so much pain. So I think he understood that Maximus is a better man even than he was, than than Marcus was. And that's why he wanted to pass the torch to him. I mean, it's just the father-son thing is great. But what really hits me in this film is the way Maximus, no matter what he does, the people are going to follow him. Like, like he, he's just, like you said, there's, he stands for honor. He stands for what's good. But I feel like he could he could do pretty much anything if he really felt like it was the right thing. People were going to follow him. They're not going to fall away. And throughout the entire film, like it was it was always him saying this or doing this and people following him. Like the, the men would always join in with him. And, <laughs> and even like the government people who were standing around that ring when he was fighting Commodus and Commodus is like, give me a sword, give me a sword. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all like, she's your swords. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, because they knew that the the better man is going to win this fight and they're willing to risk punishment for it. If, if, if something were to happen and and Marcus were to win, we know what he was going to do to everybody else. Right. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Like, so yeah, just the fact that they all took a stand there at the end just kind of lets you know the kind of man Maximus is, that everyone knows him as, as the one who does what's right and the one person that you know you look to for guidance and wisdom that, that you're going to stand behind. So that was a big one for me. No, that's, that's very true because he is a, a total, total leader. And, you know, especially, I mean, you know, Ridley Scott right out the gate showcases him so strongly that opening battle scene and i mean just like when i was watching it just the other day you know i was like i was so blown away by that opening scene you know i was just like it was it it was so you know they just don't make films like that anymore you know they don't make films at that scale and it was just so big and and you know when those character moments just you know throw 
so many times, you know, when we have an intro to a movie, you know, that's setting up your characters, a lot of the times it's very throwaway. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we have to have this scene to get to the rest of the movie and all that stuff. But I feel like the opening scene of Gladiator Art is really not that at all, you know, because because it's so necessary to see who Maximus is as a man, you know, to see how he leads, how he commands, like you said, of people following him into battle, you know, which plays all into, like you said, of the crowd loving him and people following him no matter what, you know. And it was just it was just incredible. I was enthralled from the first second, you know. Mm-hmm. Even even the little kid wanted to be him, you know, and mm-hmm. and and he like and even when his dad, well, adopted dad or whatever, his uncle basically was killed by him. The son, you kind of saw a look in his eyes, like you know that's that's what should have happened, you know, like the the son, you know, realized that you know my uncle's a bad man, you know, and uh-huh. <laughs> Maximus just did what he should have done. So like yeah, the kid looked up looked up to him. The crowd cheered his name all the time. Throughout the whole film, you hear Maximus, Maximus, uh-huh. all the time. Oh, it's just, it's just so cool, like for him to just have that much aura around him that you know people just naturally, you know, he's just not a natural-born leader. There are some people that are like that, and that's, yeah. that's, I think that's the dream, right? <laughs> like to, for that is. Um, with uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but uh, um, uh, Proxima, I think. Um, and uh, and I remember like he tells him, you know, like you're an entertainer, you know, you you kill too fast, you need to entertain the crowd. And I love how like how Maximus is not having any of it. You know, he throws the sword at the rich people, you know, and he basically is just like, yelling at everybody, calling them out for their bloodthirstiness, uh-huh. and yet they still love him because of it. You know? <laughs> Oh yeah, that that that's 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 a beautiful line though right there. It's are you not entertained? Uh-huh. Are you not entertained? <laughs> oh. oh, that's that's one of the greatest gifts ever. <laughs> it, it is. I've used it many times. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh. And I hope the people listening to this are as entertained as I was watching that movie. Yeah. But you have any any other thoughts on the film? as far as relating to to men well you know i think that uh i think you know as as we said i think it has a lot of lessons in there to look at um and you know and i like that i like that every action that happens you know in the film i i love that it has a reasoning for it you know for for showcasing the characters moving moving on in their specific arcs you know and you know it gives gives warnings you know it gives uh you know, it gives accolades for different stuff in there. And, you know, one, one aspect, and I, I, I don't know if this was on purpose by Ridley Scott, but one thing I did like about with the, oh, I cannot remember his name now, it was, it was Commodus's, uh nephew. Was it, was it Luci- Lucian? Yeah, I think or, or Lucius. 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 Lucius, yeah. Yeah, um, and a bit of a rabbit trail, but actually, you know, because they are still planning on doing Gladiator 2, um, and apparently I, I read that they said that the sequel is going to focus on Lucius's character, which I think is very interesting because apparently, you know, that the actor who played him still acts, you know, he's still very, very um, active. Mm-hmm. So supposedly that's going to be the focus of the, of the second film, which I think is interesting. But, but one thing that kind of struck me a little bit was I like, 
they're always observing mm. what's happening. Mm. And, you know, that we don't always think of them, you know, like Commodus kind of throws them off, you know, and even Maximus just kind of sees them as like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's the, you know, he's the nephew, whatever. You know, but all of Max, Maximus's actions had a huge impact on him. And Commodus's actions had a huge impact. Like you said, he was not mourning him in the end. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, that can be also a lesson that we have to be careful, you know, with all of our actions and how, how we act throughout our lives. Because there always are people and younger people like watching us, you know, and kind of putting it away of like, oh, maybe this is supposed to be how I behave. Yeah. And, and, you know, in that situation, you know, that's applicable to all men. Like, because, you know, Maximus was not the kid's dad. You know, he was just a man that was around him. Like, so there, there are kids that you have an impact on. You don't have to be their father to have an impact on them. Like, that's, people are watching. Kid, kids, kids are so smart, man. Like, they pick up on stuff. Like, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you've true. like you've you've got to be on your toes all the time uh, around your kids, other people's kids, um, because they are going to uh, notice everything that you do, and they're going to mimic everything that you do. So you you want them to mimic good stuff. <laughs> so like uh -huh. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. Uh -huh. Yeah, because we don't need. Uh, generation of heathens to be raised up yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah you know you mentioned Ridley Scott and that that dude has a very eclectic filmography and sadly I haven't seen as much of it as I would like to why don't you give me your ranking of what you've seen of his films yeah definitely so I, I have seen uh, a total of 50 of his directorial uh, films. And I, I didn't include uh, Kingdom of Heaven on there because even though I did see the theatrical version of it, I have not seen his uh, his preferred version, I should say. And I think it's called the extended cut, I think. Mm -hmm. And everybody who has seen it has told me it's a fantastic movie. It's so much, almost like, like people have said the difference between it and the theatrical is basically kind of like the Snyder cut to, um, to the 2017 movie. Like, apparently there's that much of like character arcs and everything so nice so i decided to leave that on because i didn't want to i didn't want to give it an, an unfair ranking but so um i have it at number one i have gladiator of course i just think it's i think it's his magnum opus i just think it's his best film i don't think he'll ever like <laughs> i don't think he'll ever surpass himself on that yeah um then my second one uh was a film he did in the 80s called black rain uh that he did with michael douglas uh and it was a um, it was a it was a police thriller, and it was based in a uh, basically about a, a cop uh, who goes over to um, Japan to catch a criminal, and it's just kind of the the storylines kind of through that. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. I just I really really like it. Um, you know, uh, not everybody considers it as high as me, <laughs> but um, but it, it it's one of those cult classic type. So um, so that's my number two. number three is uh, Alien, uh, which I just think is. It's just a fantastic uh, piece of horror. Um, four was Blade Runner. You know, uh, and just briefly, I'll say about Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a movie that I actually don't particularly like, you know, myself. Um, I've seen it a few times, and I just, I don't particularly care for it. Um, but just as a piece of filmmaking and how influential it was, I just felt like it, you know, it had to be in his top five just because it's influenced so much. And 
basically created the entire anime genre. Then coming in at number five is Black Hawk Down, um, you know, which I just absolutely adore as a war movie. I just think it's, you know, if Gladiator is his best film, then I would say probably Black Hawk Down is, you know, is is definitely probably the best war movie, in my opinion, that's been made. Um, I'm sure there's some room for argument with that. <laughs> but, Ooh, um, that's a... Uh, <laughs> six is a Prometheus. Um, uh, I, I love Prometheus to pieces. It's a very flawed film. It has a lot of issues, you know, but I, I just, I love it. I, I love its ambiance. I love just, I, I love everything about that movie. Then at number seven is The Martian uh, with Matt Damon, which uh, I just think was, it, it's a bizarre movie, honestly, for, for Ridley Scott. It's not really, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just strange, you know, like this kind of like drama you know, hard sci-fi. I don't know. It's just kind of weird, but um, but very well done. Then at number eight, I have Alien Covenant, which, you know, I don't particularly care for. You know, I would have liked it to have gone in a lot of different directions, but I still can't. I can't say that it's not. You know, Ridley Scott at the at his height when it comes to visuals, when it comes to just making alien worlds look so beautiful, you know, and deadly at the same time. Number nine is a, a another thriller that he did with Leonardo DiCaprio, Body of Lies, mm. um, and it's like a, a spy thriller. And I've only seen that one once, you know, and I would definitely like to revisit it again. But I remember enjoying it uh, for what it was, and it had an interesting kind of political message, you know, and it was just kind of I don't I, I kind of like the gritty of uh i don't know of just like allies versus enemies and stuff i just thought mm-hmm. it was interesting um then going in at number 10 is a uh, robin hood uh, again with russell crowe uh i really enjoyed that movie a lot i, I would have liked uh them to have made sequels i don't know if it's a box office thing or not but uh but overall i, I really liked that one you know it, it definitely it definitely copies gladiator and a lot of elements you, know, you could tell really scott was going for that feel um mm-hmm. But, but overall, I enjoyed it. Um, then uh, coming in at 11 is um, it's called All the Money in the World. And it was about the Getty kidnapping. It had Mark Wahlberg, um, uh, Christopher Plummer, um, a lot of actors in it. Uh, Michelle you know, Williams. Yeah, Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah. man, that girl. Mm-hmm. I, I was not thrilled with the movie, honestly. Uh, it's kind of why it was lower down on the list. I, I In all honesty, I fell asleep for 10 minutes during it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, you know, but I mean, for, for being a biopic, I think it was fine. Um, coming in number 12 was uh, his um, romantic film, A Good Year, again with Russell Crowe. Uh, you know, just a kind of a feel-good, you know, type of movie. Coming in at 13 was, I want to say it was one of his first films. It was called The Duelist. And it was, I saw it years and years ago, honestly. And it's like a period piece kind of a strange movie honestly which is kind of why i had it down further on the list um and then uh coming in last last place is exodus gods and kings um it's just a terrible movie uh, in my opinion you know um you know it's like i'm all for you know um you know i i'm a i'm a person of faith i would say um and uh you know i, I consider myself you know i'm a christian and stuff and so like I know when it comes to movies about the Bible that there's going to be, you know, um, allowances made. There's going to be changes made, you know, um, you know, like say, you know, like a um, Darren Aronofsky's Noah, you know, and stuff. Like I enjoyed that movie for what it was. You know, I knew it was going to be a weird fantasy because I've known he's 
films. You know, but like when I went into Exodus, I was like, what was Ridley Scott thinking? <laughs> it's like such a bad movie. Every, every, you know, the performances weren't good. Just like, I don't know. I, I, you know, you know, he had the opportunity to make a really great Moses story, you know, that I think he could have really done something good. But then it's like, hmm, Moses into the resistance leader and God is an angry British child. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> just, I don't know what was going on. So it, I think it, it, I would put it lower if I could, but, uh, <laughs> you haven't seen any other video. I get it. I, get it. I haven't seen the other. I got you. Well, see, mine's, mine's going to be a shorter list. I've only seen nine of his films. I've never seen Alien Covenant or Prometheus or Hannibal or Kingdom of Heaven or Exodus or Money of the World. I haven't seen G.I. Jane or Black Hawk Down. I know that's going to make you mad, um, but I haven't seen it, and I don't know why. I just haven't. Um, I, it's been on my list for like 150 years, but I just hadn't, I haven't watched it. Like, but I, I'm, I'm going to at some point soon. Cause I, I want to start watching more war films. Cause I really do. Every time I watch one, I said, why don't I, why, why don't I watch more war films? Oh, because they're three hours long. Um, <laughs> so like for me, if you would have asked me before this rewatch of gladiator, I probably would have said the Martian is my favorite because Matt Damon in that film is just like his character. He's, he's hilarious first of all. And he's just like, I don't know. It it just, it could have been just him the entire time. And I would have been fine with that. And it kind of, most of it was, but you know, all the other characters, you know, does such a phenomenal job in the film. And just the fact that he was living there and, and made a life for himself and stayed there far longer than anybody should have. Um, it, it, it was just cool. Like, and I can't say it's my favorite now because I've only seen it once and I've seen gladiator multiple times. And this last rewatch, I was like, mm, gladiator is going to be my number one because the film I've said it, I said it privately to you. I said it, uh, on the Facebook group gladiator is the last great epic. And like, I don't think there will ever be anything that will touch it as, as far as far as epics go. Um, because like you were saying earlier, the film just like it tells this story so slowly, but but there's never a dull moment at all. But but there's he's so methodical with the way he tells the story. And and the fact that you you can watch a movie for three hours and want to watch more of it you know like when it's over i'm like why, why is this over you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like, i want to watch more so gladiators one the martian is two and then i'm gonna say blade runner mainly because of its of how influential it, it was i kind of liked a lot of parts of it and i think i would like it i think i would like it more i've only seen it once but i own it I think if I watch it a few more times and watch the you know ten part documentary on it that's that <laughs> that comes with the the Blu-ray, it's it's like a four out four four to six hours I think the documentary is. So I didn't know that came with the Blu-ray. I have the Blu-ray. I, I need to go and look. I hadn't even like opened it. Look, <laughs> it, I mean, it's like treasure trove documentary, and I didn't 
know about it. Oh yeah, it's 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 huge. Like yeah, it's it's a it's a big one. I haven't watched it, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's on every Blu-ray, but I know if you got if you have the digital version, it's on there, and it's and it's okay. broken up into parts too. So yeah, I think I could watch that in like a mini series type form, you know, one a night or something. So I, I'm I'm gonna give that three just because I'm cautiously optimistic that I think it that I think I'm really gonna love it because I liked the new one a lot. American Gangster, I'm gonna put that as my number four just because man, like Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe as gangsters. <laughs> I don't know why I have not seen that movie because like it's kind of like you with Black Hawk Down. I've had it on my list for ever and i've heard so many good things and i don't know how i have not seen it yet <laughs> yeah it's it's good man like i mean just and i haven't watched it in several years i watched it in theaters with my roommate in college and and we watched it a few times like at home and it, it's just it's denzel being as as good as denzel is man like he's <laughs> he's he's just phenomenal in everything that he's in and so is crow like that so just that duo the cinematography in that film, like, it, it's just it's just a great film. Uh, and then after that, I'm probably going to say Alien. And I will say this. I'm not a huge fan of the film. I actually prefer Aliens, the, the sequel. And I actually had not seen... I saw Alien when I was a kid, but I didn't remember much of it. I rewatched it last year, and I mean, I enjoyed it. But I didn't feel it lived up to the hype. But I watched the second one, and man, I was glued to that. Uh, I, I I loved Aliens, I, and I still haven't watched uh, James Cameron the third one. Mm. Yeah, the, the third one. I, I'm one of those ones that I actually really did like the third uh, third film. I would give a bit of a suggestion if you uh, whenever you do watch it that I would see the um, I think it's called the assembly cut. Uh, that it's basically like a director's cut kind of of it. It changes a bunch of the story. Um, it adds a bunch of scenes. It's a little bit longer, um, but it, it's a much better movie uh, for it. Um, okay. Uh, definitely, definitely is better. So I, I would recommend. I would recommend that. I got you. And then after that, I would say Body of Lies. I mean, Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, you can't argue with that duo. And and and. <laughs> So Ridley loves to work with Russell Crowe, does he not? <laughs> For real, I'm, I'm going through this. I'm like, man, he's he's in six of his films. Like, I'm like, um, but I think after Body of Lies, which which is a great film and it's very underappreciated, people don't talk about that one that much. It's it's a really good film, uh, especially if you like cop films. It's kind of the CIA like manhunt kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's a cool film. And then after that, I mean, it's kind of, I'm going to say Thelma and Louise is next on the list just because it's like a lot of people got their start in that film. It's, it's one of my mom's favorite films, actually. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but it's, it's a cool story and it's like, you know, about, you know, friendship and just kind of, you know going off into the sunset with each other or whatnot and you know you know somebody the tagline is somebody said get a life so they did <laughs> so they like go on this weekend getaway and, and it turns into this crazy experience you haven't seen it obviously right i have i've not i just uh, i just uh, put it into imdb and it's quite the cast right like, brad pitt's in the movie like a, yeah. yeah brad pitt harvey Keitel, michael madsen gina davis man 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely have to check this out. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 definitely worth a watch. I need to watch it again because my mom loves it. And then after that, I would say Robin Hood. I, I just was wasn't really impressed by the film. I, I I'm not sure why. I just mainly I think <laughs> I think the biggest problem is I went to a a late showing and I think I dozed off a few times when I was watching it. <laughs> That was that was probably a big mistake, but I, I need to watch it again at some point. But man, it's it's hard to watch these three hour movies more more than once. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it, it, it is true. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and then last, but and definitely least is the counselor. That movie, I, I just <laughs> it was just I, I I don't know. I can't I can't even <laughs> describe it. Brad Pitt is also in that. This one has a rock star cast. Like you 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 could look at that cast and think, man, that's probably gonna be a good movie. And and even you got Ridley Scott directing it. Ugh, it was awful. I watched it with my wife, and both of us looked at each other afterwards, like, what was that? Like, what what what? <laughs> so. Well, I, yeah, because even like looking looking at like the poster, just like everything looks so slick on it. You know, it's like. It looks like it should be fantastic, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it was written by Cormac McCarthy too. Uh huh. Yeah. What happened? They put together this all-star <laughs> team and then just uh-huh. made this garbage. Like I don't know. <laughs> like and oh. I don't. I don't understand. I need to watch it again, but I'm looking at reviews and nobody likes it really. So <laughs> I don't know why I even <laughs> why do why should I bother watching it again? I don't know. But. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of where I met on on Ridley Scott. I, I I know I need to watch Black Hawk Down really badly. I actually own Kingdom of Heaven, but I still haven't watched it. All the Money in the World. I love 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 Michelle Williams and very very good actress. I've loved her ever since my wife and I watched Dawson's Creek together, and she was the standout actor in that in that series. Did you watch Did you watch Dawson's Creek? I have not. I've actually had it on my on my watch list because I love I love binge watching TV series, yeah. and I've had that one down because I've heard a lot of good things about it. I mean, you've got Katie Holmes, Joshua Jackson, James Vanderbeek. None of those people can hold a candle to Michelle Williams. Like she was a rock star in that show, and so I mean, and, and ever since then, I, I've I've always been drawn to her films. Uh, she's just such a phenomenal actress, and my gosh, she's gorgeous. I mean, she has that going for her. It's true. <laughs> so she, she even she even managed like, and I enjoyed the film, but she she managed to even elevate Venom. You know, like, right? You know? Uh-huh. I, I actually really liked that movie, and it's mainly yeah. because of her and Tom Hardy, man. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, they both they both just did a great job with that. You know, like I I remember her line delivery in this one part where. It was uh, after when she's uh, she venom and she kisses him and you know and transfers it over to him and stuff mm-hmm. and they're like sitting on the on the curb and they're t- talking and, and Tom Hardy says something about like oh that was a nice touch of you kissing me and she has this like line delivery where she says well that wasn't my idea that was your your buddy's idea <laughs> and you know <laughs> that it was venom's idea <laughs> just her delivery of it just I just cracked up you know she she did a great job. Man. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah oh. and, and what's funny is I, I i watched her recently for the the first time i'd never seen it before it was uh broke back mountain and uh <laughs> there was this line in this film that was the dumbest line i've ever heard like because <laughs> i'm sorry but angley does not know how to portray 
the conservative West because I grew up in the conservative West and it, it, uh, <laughs> he does not know how to portray it. Like this one line was so stupid. She says, Jack twist, Jack nasty. And I'm like, <laughs> she did an excellent job delivering the line, but it's the dumbest uh, line I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> For 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 an for a top notch Oscar nom Oscar nominated an Oscar winning film by Ang Lee, to have that stupid line in there was just like, why? But she but she owned it. Michelle Williams just she she did a great job. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, everything she's in, man, she just she just blows it up. And now we're now we're talking about Michelle Williams on a man show. I did, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, I think that's all we've got, man. Unless you've got anything to add. No, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think we, we we covered it all, you know. And I think uh, I agree with you. I think that Gladiator is is one of those films that kind of a last of a breed, you know. That uh, you know, it, it almost almost like a, you know, that that era of the early two thousands, I feel like was kind of the last hurrah of like the epic films, you know, that you know that were kind of delivering that Cecil B. DeMille you know, and William Wyler, Ben-Hur, Ten Commandments feel. And, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, we got some really good ones. And I think the Gladiator, for being at that kind of twilight of that genre, it knocked it out of the park, you know. And, you know, we had some other ones that were still good. You know, I, I will forever defend Troy, you know, um, in 2004 as being a great epic. But, you know, but Gladiator in the end, you know, it, it slays the competition. You know? <laughs> uh, it, it slays the competition and it asks, the viewer are you not entertained exactly (laughs) exactly and if you don't like it he will seek his vengeance in this life in this life or the next (laughs) (laughs) uh but it's been great it's been good uh byron i appreciate you i appreciate you coming on here byron is actually an excellent name it's actually my middle name uh it's it's what the b and jb stands for so yeah yeah, so nice to have two Byrons on the show today. Oh, it is. Thank, thank you for having me. I, I had a great time, and you know, I love I love chatting about movies. I love chatting about you know about you know honor and manhood. I love talking about those kind of you know high class top uh, topics. I really enjoy it, and, and mixing it with a film that I love is all the better. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Real quick, why don't you tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you, like on on social media, and then you know maybe say something about your podcast that you're starting back up apparently i didn't realize you even had it but yeah <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah so if you guys want to follow me i'm i'm on uh, facebook and uh, twitter uh at byron lafayette um i also am on letterbox uh same uh same name you know if you you know want to read my articles or anything like that i'm on uh, what culture uh and um uh, i also am editor of a site called viral hair um where i do a um I do a review column of films called Under the Lens, uh, and uh, I'm also uh, going to be like rebooting my podcast, which is going to be starting um, uh, in the next few weeks, um, or depending on when this episode comes out, it might already be uh, started. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> depending on. And uh, uh, the title of the podcast is Under the Lens, um, and it's uh, basically just going to be a podcast that talks about film, uh, talks about uh, filmmaking, different aspects of that. Um, and, you know, I say reboot because uh, I had actually been doing it before under the title The Hollywood Files, and it was a little bit more of a uh, true crime uh, feel of a podcast where, you know, we, uh, we looked at uh, real-life crimes in Hollywood and uh, kind of like 
some that were unsolved, some that were solved, and we kind of looked at it. Um, we're still going to be doing those episodes within the new podcast format, but this one's going to be a little bit broader. So Under the Lens is on uh, um, it's on Spreaker, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, it's also on Spotify, and it will be moving on to uh, Anchor soon. So so you can feel free to, to come on and listen on there. Uh, JB is actually going to be a guest on there. Um, we're, uh, I believe we're going to be talking about the international, the James Bond film. I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, and y'all check out those po- the podcasts of his and, and his writing. Apparently, he's been doing this for a while. So yeah. <laughs> go, go check that out for sure. And, and men, just remember, you've got to man up. <laughs>